Masechet Nazir, Daf Kaf Gimel. Today's all about intention, uh, doing something bad but without intention, or doing something good but with wrong intention. Uh, so, from fascinating Agadot, and they're all built upon the following Mishnah. Ha'isha shenadra benazir v'ayta shota b'yayin umitame'a lemetim, ze sofeget et ha'arba'im. If a woman uh, takes a vow to be a nazira, and she then is knowing that she's a nazira, drinks wine and goes and becomes tamer lamet, uh, so she is sinning, violating, and she doesn't care. So she, her punishment will be that she gets forty lashes. Okay. Right. So the law uh, of the lashes is the same for. A it's all uh, that's the basic law and really you don't even have to tell us that um, but here's the chidush of the mishnah if the husband had annulled her uh, nizirut and she just didn't know that he annulled it and she was going on and continuing to drink wine and becoming tamelamet then she does not get uh, lashes even though from her perspective, she thought she was sinning, she was intending to sin, but if you intend to sin, but don't actually sin, then you're not going to get punished. Uh, we discussed what cases is talking about uh, already earlier. Um, uh, this could be talking, uh, it really doesn't matter how you view annulment. If you think annulment works retroactively, well then that would uh, cover any case. Um, that if she is in Nizira, of course she gets lashes. If he annulled it, and annulment works retroactively, so even though she was never in Nizira, um, uh, since she was never in Nizira, so therefore she's not going to be uh, get lashes. It can also work if you say that uh, annulment works from the point of annulment and onward. Uh, it just means that she's drinking after that point. Uh, so she was a Nizira on Sunday. She became a Nizira. The husband heard about it on Monday and annulled it. And then, but she didn't hear that he annulled it. So then, on Tuesday, she goes ahead and goes ahead and goes ahead and drinks wine. So she is not sinning because that's after the annulment, even though she was not informed. So she thinks she's doing something negative. Good. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Yehuda says, even in the last case where she does not, on a Doraita level, get any lashes because she was not actually in the Zira, nevertheless, she does deserve something. And so she should get Makat Mardut, means lashes for being rebellious, for going against the sages. This is something that the sages can impose. Uh, for various uh, infractions that are not Doraita infractions, but things that the rabbis see as being problematic and they want to keep people away from, and or the, the people are just not uh, rebelling against uh, the rabbinic authority uh, in some way. Uh, so Rabbi Yudas says the rabbis should impose lashes for intending to, uh, to uh, violate uh, the Nizirut, even though she was not actually a Nizira. All right, now um, we have a, a braita. Tenora banan. Isha haferam vahashem islach la. So uh, this is in the context of vows in general in Bimid Balamid, not, not Nazir in particular, but vows in general, a husband, her husband can annul her vows and God will forgive her. Uh, so literally it just means that God forgives the vow. Now the uh, question is, though, but why does she need forgiveness? And so this Midrash explains that I was talking about a woman who took a vow, could be any vow that she is going to uh, not drink wine um, and uh, or eat meat and her husband annuls the vow and she doesn't know and then she goes ahead and violates the vow and drinks wine or eats meat that she requires atonement uh, so even though she did not literally sin because her vow was annulled nevertheless she intended to sin and that's not a good thing when Abi Akiva would read this pasuk with, together with this explanation, he would cry because he's comparing a woman, this this woman who uh, thought she that she was sinning, she was intending to sin, even though she didn't, and she requires an uh, atonement. 
That's similar to the following cases, so really equivalent. Um, someone who uh, was intending to eat pig. And so he goes into the pot uh, to take a piece of pig or into the refrigerator to take a piece of pig and turns out he gets a piece of lamb and they look the same. He couldn't tell the difference. And so he thought he's sinning. He's intending to sin. Turns out actually it was kosher. That person requires atonement, right? That's the same as this woman. So that's, we're going to learn a Kavachomet from that. All the more so, someone who intends to eat pig meat, and he actually does eat pig meat, all the more so, how much atonement will that person uh, uh, require? Okay, so you see the, just the severity of, uh, of sins that um, one needs atonement, even for, uh, even if you don't actually sin, but just think about sinning, if you just try to do it and not successful, that still requires atonement. Again, there wouldn't be an, if any official punishment uh, like lashes, um, but it still requires some level of, uh, of spiritual atonement. Okay. The Baraita continues and adds yet another uh, variation, another case where someone who uh, uh, someone needs atonement, and this is uh, regarding the pasuk of asham talui, a special asham. If someone makes a sin, is not sure, someone does something and is unsure if they sinned or not, um, and uh, they can't verify it, so they have to bring. Uh, they can't bring a korban chatat because you can't bring a korban chatat if you don't need to. But they they have to bring something because maybe they sinned. So that person brings asham talui. So, here's the first part of the Kavachomer. Uh, someone who intends to eat kosher. He thought that this is kosher, and so he took this thing from the refrigerator, thinking it was kosher, and it turns out it was not kosher, or it was a, there's a doubt if it was kosher. For example, um, you have a piece of meat in the fridge that uh, is a 50% chance that is, it is forbidden fat, and 50% chance that it is uh, for, uh, permitted fat, and 50% that it is forbidden fat. And so that person, he eats it afterwards and says, oh, I threw out the label. I don't know what kind of meat that was. Um, I intended to eat. I thought it was kosher. But then I found out later that someone had put um, some non-kosher. And I'm not sure um, if, uh, if this is the one, if this is the kosher one or the non-kosher one. So, if that person requires atonement, then all the more so someone who actually intends to eat pig and does eat pig. Pig, how much more will that will he that person require atonement? Okay, so this is the second case. Um, it's a little different from the first one. In the first one, the woman or the person or, or this person, both of them had intention to sin, just that they didn't sin. This person uh, d intended not to eat kosher, but there's a piece there, and this piece that he ate is 50% chance that it's not kosher. So he may, he intended for kosher, but he may have uh, eaten something non-kosher. A slight variation on that case is, Isi ben Yehuda Omer, Velo yada ve'ashev enasa avono, Uma mishinit kaven la'alot biyado basar taleh, Ve'ala biyado basar chazir, Kegon, Shetech atichot achat shel chele v'achat shel shuman, Ve'nasa avono mitkaven la'alot biyado, Okay, very similar to the previous case, except that it's not that it's one piece of meat. I know that I ate this piece of meat. I'm just not sure if this was a kosher or non-kosher piece of meat. Isi Ben Yehuda applies the same lesson of um, a Asham Talui uh, to someone who intends to eat kosher, but in the end ate or possibly ate non-kosher. For example, that there's two pieces of meat in the refrigerator and he intends to take the kosher one. One, um, but then he's not sure because then he realizes that there were two of them and one was not kosher, one was kosher. And so that person has to bring an Asham Talui. Okay, so those are two, two, two slight variations of cases in which one has to bring an Asham Talui. So all the more so of uh, someone who intends to eat not kosher and eats, eats pork, all the more so that person will require atonement. Okay. On this matter, those who are downcast and uh, uh, should be downcast. In other words, someone who feels guilty about this, uh, they, they, it's good that they feel guilty. One does require atonement, even if 
nothing actually happened, but you intended to do something bad, or even if your intention was good, but you weren't so careful because you took the wrong thing, and and perhaps ate non-kosher. So um, this uh, this is something that um, requires guilt. Okay. Now the question is, why do I need all these examples? Right? There's um, uh, three different uh, examples. Uh, can I can just bring one in this beraita? Srichin. I need all them. So if I only had the case of the woman who made a vow, but the vow was annulled which is equivalent to the person who intended to uh, eat, me- eat pig, but an and happened to be that it was kosher. All right, those, two, those are exactly the same case. So, and you told me that that person needs atonement. I would say maybe there the person needs atonement because they intended to violate a prohibition. But in the case of a piece of meat that I'm not sure if its status is permitted or not, where I my intention was to eat kosher, but then I realized after that there's a 50% chance that this piece of meat is not kosher, so maybe that wouldn't require atonement, all right? After, the, after all, my intention was good. The first case was my intention was bad, um, but the action was was okay. All right, fine. I understand you need atonement there. But if my intention is good, so it's a mistake. Maybe I would think I don't need atonement, and that's why we need both cases. Both of these cases, you need atonement. And if I only had the case of the of the piece of meat that is 50% chance that is forbidden, um, there, there actually is a prohibition there, or at least a chance of a prohibition. Um, so I would think that needs atonement. Um, even though it's just a chance, but the woman whose uh, vow had been annulled, who actually was was permitted, she didn't violate anything. And similarly, the person who thought he was eating pork, but actually was eating kosher, did not actually uh, violate any sin, and therefore would not require atonement. So that's why I need both of these cases. So that's an important principle. Um, you need atonement. Now, again, neither of these cases will have uh, the full uh, uh, um, punishment for doing something on purpose. Um, and in fact, if you don't actually violate, then there's, there's no punishment at all, um, except according to Biuda, maybe Makat Mardut. Okay, but nevertheless, the point is that both, of these re- that both of these require some level of atonement, either if one intends to sin, but actually doesn't, or one intends to eat kosher, but in the end, a sin actually happens, they both need atonement. In fact, all, for almost all korbanot, korban chatat and asham, are almost always for doing something unintentionally. If someone violates intentionally, then they don't get the benefit of ha- having atonement through a korban. Okay. I've had those two, and I didn't have the case of Isi uh, ben Yehuda, who, to- who talked about two different pieces. If I had those two cases, I would think in these two cases, it's sufficient to atone. Make, a, make Teshuvah process. Um, because after all, it's not established that there was anything prohibited at all. In the first case, there was uh, no no vow; it was annulled, or uh, the or the equivalent case, there was no non-kosher meat there. In the second case, you have this one piece of meat, but it's only fifty percent chance that it was prohibited. So there might have been no prohibition here at all. And so I would think in those cases, it's sufficient. You can get atonement, uh, but if there's two pieces of meat. One is kosher, and one is for sure chelev, not kosher. Since that, since there is for sure a a prohibition there, I might think that's not sufficient. Uh, that there's no, you cannot get uh, um, um, atonement simply through a through a sacrifice. Maybe that's like doing something on purpose. And therefore, it, it, this Isi Ben Yuda adds that case in to teach us that this also counts as um, a case of uh, of shogeg. And one can get atonement, um, even though there did exist within the scenario something that was surely prohibited. All right. Okay, important pasuk in Hosea uh, the paths of Hashem are straight, righteous people walk 
walk in them, meaning successfully, and they'll get to their destination. However, transgressors will stumble in them. Now, it looks like it's talking about the same path, right? And yet, how could it be that we're talking about the same path, the path of, uh, of, of, the, the path of Hashem, and yet two people walking down the same path, one will be successful and one will fall. How could that be? So here's an example of a case. Two people uh, are roasting, roast their Pesach offerings. And one of them eats it for proper intention. This is for the mitzvah of Konban Pesach, and he does everything properly. And the other one eats it because of his desire, base desire, to eat a big barbecue. And he's not thinking about the, the Korban, he's just stuffing his face with barbecue sauce and french fries, and, uh, and he's doing it because of uh, just base, base desire for meat. So the one who does it for mitzvah, even though it's the same act, someone looking out from outside, uh, might, you might not know what they, what they have in mind. The one that does it for mitzvah is doing the act and is, doing some, is, is righteous, and that he will gain much benefit from it. The one that does it because he wants to stuff his face, um, that person is, although doing, although doing the same act, is transgressing. In fact, there is a problem of uh, eating Korban uh, Pesach if you're completely stuffed and, uh, and that act of eating when you're, you can't eat anymore um, is, it could be a halachic problem as well. Okay. You're going too far with your example. You're going to call this person an evildoer? Okay, I understand. He didn't do the mitzvah in the optimal manner, uh, right? Uh, but he does fulfill his mitzvah, right? Let's assume he's not completely stuffed and uh, is, is called, is not even called an act of eating. Okay, he's eating. Although he's not eating in the proper way with the proper intention. Okay, so he's not the best guy, but he fulfills his basic mitzvah. You wouldn't call him evil if, just because he's not doing it, um, in, in, not, not doing 100%, right? If you get a 90 on your test, you're not, you know, you're, you're not, that doesn't mean you're failing. So here, instead, Ashakish is going to offer a different example. A person has his wife and his sister, and they're both living in, in his house. They're both uh, together in the same house for, for whatever reason. And, um, and the, the other guy also has the same thing, his wife and his sister. And uh, this guy comes home one day, and I don't know why, maybe it's dark, maybe he's drunk, and he then uh, 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 sleeps with one of them. One of them happens to be that he's with his wife. The other one so happens is with his sister. This, the one who was with his wife, Sadiqim, right? He fulfilled the mitzvah to, of Ona to be with his wife. That which with his sister, Poshaim, that uh, is evil, evildoer, and he um, uh, stumbles, stumbles over them. He uh, committed terrible sin of Adayot. Um, now you could say, wait, one is evil, one is, you know, maybe it's just a uh, chance because they're both drunk. Well, we're going to be talking about drinking and how you shouldn't put yourself in a drunken state if there's any chance that you're going to cause, by, by, thereby uh, cause yourself to stumble. Um, and even so, uh, probably a person who has uh, certain thoughts and inclinations when they're sober um, will act out in one way uh, or another when they are drunk or when they're in a, a sleepy state or whatever. And so this kind of reveals what this kind of this person was all about. Um, so even though they're in the same situation, one will come out okay and one will not. Now, what the Gemara says, that's not a good example. We want an example of one exact action, like the one in Korban Pesach, that they're both roasting and eating the same exact thing. Here, you're talking about, talking about pe two people that did two different actions. This is not, it's not comparable, um, uh, the, these, those actions with his wife or his sister. That's completely different. Um, so here is actually a good example 
of this very same act, and even in the very same act, the two uh, actors, um, uh, one is good and one is bad. So Lot and his two daughters, the daughters, they had proper intention for a mitzvah. They looked around, they thought that the entire world was destroyed, and they, they, uh, all they knew was Saddam. But they assumed the whole same thing happened to the whole world. They thought that they are the last two women on earth, and so um, as uh, although they knew that this is a, a terrible deed to sleep with their father, um, but they, they their intention was proper, and so we call them sadikim yel chubam. They their act is considered righteous, whereas a lot. His intention was for sin, just for a desire to, to uh, commit adayot. And therefore, although they both did the same act, he is called a rasha. Okay, now question. Maybe Lot also was, had intention for good, right? Maybe he also saw the world was desolate and that's why he did it. We're going to prove that Lot had negative intentions. We can see from beforehand um, when they when he decided to go to Sidom, right? What does it say there? Uh, he, it doesn't bring the full pasuk all at once. Let's look at the pasuk. I have it here. He lifts up his eyes and vayar kol He sees the whole plain of Jordan that it's all nicely watered before it was destroyed. Right? It was like Gan Hashem. And uh, the, we're going to learn from here that you see Lot. He when he sees something good physical something physical he go, goes after it and he doesn't think about the consequences he doesn't think about the moral uh the the, the the morally correct thing to do he doesn't think about staying with Abraham right who's the you know the the leader of the generation person who teaches that maybe I should stick with him and not go to this place that's uh, yes luxurious but a, a place of depravity um so you know person goes and decides I'm gonna live in Las Vegas it looks good. Okay, did you take into consideration the evil that's done there? So you see the kind of character of Lot that he sees something uh, desirous and he goes and takes it. So that from that we can tell that um, also regarding his daughters, it was the same thing. He had bad intention. All right, now we're going to take each phrase of this pasuk and compare it to another place that also shows negative intention. And here, this is regarding Potifar. Um, when she um, sees uh, Yosef, uh, she lifts her eyes and sees Yosef and says, lie with me. So you see, lifting the eyes and seeing something beautiful, that's something Eshet Potifar does and something that Lot does. And so this is always negative. Et Ainav ki Also, Shimshon, he sees this uh, Philistine girl and tells his parents, I want her. Why? Why? Because she is pleasing in my eyes. In other words, he has the same character. He sees something nice, I, I want it. Yeah, but what about the fact that she's from a, a Pilishti? Is this a proper uh, 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 proper decision? He doesn't care. And so both the similar phrase in all three show a similar character, negative character trait. Next, Vayad, to see something. Vayad ota Shechem ben Hamor. Shechem sees Dina and says, oh, I want her. So you see that kind of uh, negative character trait um, regarding Shechem. It's the same as what Lot, because it says, Lot and Avayar, emphasizing just looking at the external uh, beauty. At Kol Kikar Hayarden, he sees literally, Kikar Hayarden means the, uh, the, the Jordan Valley, but Kikar literally means a loaf of bread. It also means that. So, uh, where else do we see that? Ki isha zona ad kikad lachem. There's a, a pasuk in Mishle that says, um, for, for because of uh, a woman, a, 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 a zona, a person will reduce himself down to complete poverty until the point that he doesn't even have a piece of bread. Um, so, uh, another person uh, makes, makes really bad decisions, even bad financial decisions, if he uh, spends on, uh, on, uh, on promiscuity and sin. And so that's the kol kikad hayarden is a hint to this, that uh, Lot makes a decision uh, for immediate gratification, even though it will cause his ruin at the end.
the valley of Sedom uh, is all watered, well watered, and he, he, he's desirous of that. Well, where else do we see someone who is, get, receives water and there and thereby uh, lusts after it and makes a wrong decision. We find this in Hosea, who is making a parable uh, of Ben Israel relationship with Hashem to a, a to a man and a woman. And here, this woman who has a husband, the husband takes care of her, but he, she says, no, I, I want to go and, and commit adultery with all my other lovers because they give me lots of uh, gifts. So this is the lover saying, the woman saying, So uh, she goes and acts shamelessly. She says, I'll go with my lovers. They give me bread and water and wool and linen, oil and drink. So she this means drink. All right, maybe it means the uh, 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 wine here or whatever. Uh, so the point is that she lusts after these physical gifts that these uh, false, these idolatrous lovers are giving her and thereby abandons her husband. So too, B'nai Israel, um, they abandon Hashem, who gives them everything. They give, Hashem gives them man, the land, everything, and they go to some uh, temporary and fake desire, and they go and do idolatry. And so too here, that's how you make a decision about where to live. You don't think about the moral people around you. Instead, you just go after your your, your eyes. Um, so you see that Lot was the kind of guy who was into immediate gratification, and he was doing that with his daughters for uh, base reasons, for negative sinning reasons. Okay. Now we're going to try to defend Lot because after all, he was forced. They gave him to drink and then while he was drunk, they acted upon him. So why are you blaming Lot? And the answer is, the, so the reason is because, yeah, you're right. Maybe regarding the first, remember there was the older sister and the younger sister. And the first night, the the older sister gave uh, the father to drink and Lot drank and and then they were together. And it says Lot did not know in their lying down or in their waking up. Um, okay, so there's a vav. If you look in the pasuk, there is a... If you look in the Torah, um, there is a dot on top of the Vav. This is a copy of the Leningrad Codex. And you see in the Masoretic Notes, right, it says on the Vav, it says, look on the side, and Vav Nakud Torah, right, has a dot on top of that Vav. Now, a dot on top of a Vav is a scribal convention uh, known by Jews and also used by Greeks to say that this letter or word uh, is suspect. It should be erased uh, or some kind of interpretation, right, some problemat- something problematic with it. And uh, the point is that if you would erase this word, not that you should literally erase it, um, but rather that when we read it, we should understand that although he did not know what was going on when he, uh, when he slept with her, but take out ubkuma, and he, meaning he did know what happened when he woke up. Right, so after he woke up, he's like, "Wait, what just happened?" And he did realize. Now, okay, so for that first incident, you could say it was forced upon him. He didn't know. But here's the problem. Then the next night, he allows the same thing to happen. Right, because the next night, the older one told the younger sister, "This is what I did. You should do the same thing, and so that we can have children." So you see from here that the the, the daughters are doing it for proper intention. But here's the thing. So they gave him they gave him to drink wine also on the next night. And Vatakom Hasira Vatishkab Imo Veloyada Bishikba Ubkuma. Notice this Ubkumat does not have a vav, and maybe that's why they're um, uh, noticing a difference between the first one and the second one. Um, okay, so but here the uh, the they uh, they gave him to drink, and he didn't know again. He didn't know what happened when he slept and when he woke up. Okay, but now the second one is he is now already suspicious. By the way, here's the what it looks like in the in the Torah itself. Ubkuma has a dot on top. It's not a cholam. It's a dot to say that there's something something uh, fishy going on with that word. In fact, he did know what happened afterwards.
Okay, so So what could he have done to, since he, they gave him to drink? So once he's drunk, he didn't know what was going on, not the first night, not the second night. And the answer is simple. might have ava. So what could he have done? What happened happened already. What happened on the first night, even if he knew about it after he woke up, after the first night, it was done already, so you can't undo the sin. So, No, there is a big difference. For the next night, he should not have drunk because he knows, last night I got drunk and look what a terrible thing happened because of it. Tonight, you know what? They, the, the daughters are offering to drink. He says, no, no, I'm not going to drink. Right, so this is a very important lesson. A person can't go and put himself into a state where he will get drunk or some, uh, for whatever reason not know what's going on and then end up sinning and say, "Oh, it was not my fault." No, you have to know that if your oh, if your if your mind is going to be impaired, and you're going to be in, in a situation where you may do something negative, you are responsible. You have to be responsible for not getting drunk in the first place, right? If you're um, if you know you're going to be drinking, make sure that you're that you have a way home that you're not putting yourself in a situation that you're driving and putting yourself and other people in danger. Okay, so drinking in general is bad, but drinking especially in a, if there's a possibility that one will sin during that during that time, um, that person certainly is especially responsible. And so we see about Lot. Um, you can't. First of all, we see what kind of character traits he has. Um, he has short-term desire. He what he sees, he takes doesn't care about the morality and the consequences. So he wasn't having proper intention, whereas the, the daughters were. It says that the, what their intention was. And furthermore, you could say, well, well, he didn't know what was going on. Maybe the first night, maybe you could say it was not going on. All right, maybe he shouldn't have gotten so drunk any time. But even if you want to give him a pass for the first night, the second night, he knew what happened and he kind of wanted it to happen. And so Lot is remembered for evil. All right, pretty harsh on Lot, but I think it's deserved. Darash Rava, my dictiv, ach nifsha mikiriat oz, um midianim kibriach armon. Continuing on the, uh, the, uh, um, uh, the, this idea about um, Amon and Moab, that's the, the, the sons that were born from, this, uh, from the daughters of Lot. Um, uh, to their father. So Rava says more about uh, Lot and, and his relationship with Abraham too. Um, what is this pasuk that uh, says in Mishle? Um, a, a brother who's offended is harder to conquer than a strong city, right? More, ease, more, it's, more, it's easier to conquer a fortified city than to make peace with a brother, your own brother who you offended. Uh, and contention, contention between two people, even brothers, is uh, 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 keeps people away from each other more uh, more than bars of a castle. Right, easier to storm a castle than to make up with someone who you did something wrong to. Okay, that's the pasuk. What is it referring to? Well, the pasuk is referring to all cases. You know, these things happen all the time. But the Midrash says this is talking about a very specific uh, set of brothers. Now, Abraham and Lot are not brothers, but it was his nephew. Okay, but still it's just an extension of Abraham's brother. So we're calling them brothers, and so this is this, these are brothers that they um, are nifshat mikiryat oz. They offend each other in the pesukim. It says now that they had so much cattle, the shepherds are fighting with each other. It doesn't say who started up, but this midrash is assuming that Lot is the one that um, uh, uh, Lot is the one that said uh, that decided I'm going to leave because you know I I, uh, I can't get along with you anymore. Um, so maybe Lot is the one that uh, decided uh, to, uh, to 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 pick a fight, and once that once you do that, you can't get over it. And as a consequence of that, contention ends up being like bars of a castle. Um, this is Lot. Because he brought contention and he made a fight with Avraham and now and he separated and now they after they separated that's it they can't get back together and they're separated as if the bars are between them what do you mean bars well they're not allowed to marry each other um, and that's the pasuk Amoni and Moavi are not allowed to marry into uh, Kahal Hashem into the Jewish people. 
and they even they can even if they convert, uh, they're not allowed um, to to marry in. And so you see, because of that initial uh, fight contention, so the consequences ripple down for generations. What is the meaning of this pasuk in Mishle? It says someone who separates himself seeks his own desire. Right? He's going off and doing his own thing. Uh, he's doing selfish things. And someone, and all, uh, and this kind of person, Yitgala, he will hate any tushia, any wisdom that can help him out. Right? You can't tell him anything. He wants to go after, after desire. After desire, it's going to be hard to give him any good advice. Who is that referring to? So this refers to Lot. He decided to leave Abraham and go by himself and live in Sedom because he was desirous of the physical things that were there. And in the end, all his, his wisdom, he denied any wisdom, and which means that now we're making a play on words, not yitgala, but gala, to reveal, or ignoring the ayin. Maybe they didn't pronounce their gutturals. And so reading it as to reveal that all of his shame will be revealed in synagogues and uh, and, and, and study houses, as the Mishnah says, Amoni and Moavi are prohibited and their prohibition is permanent forever. And so in Batekinesiot, they're going to be reading this Pasuk, and Midrashot, they're going to be reading this Mishnah. And every time they read it, they'll remember, oh, why are they prohibited? Oh, yeah, you remember what Lot did, how he separated from Abraham, and how he sinned with his daughters. And so because of that initial action, he will be remembered in shame uh, for a long, long time. Amar Ula, Tamar Zineta, Zimri Zina. Ula is comparing these two figures that do did something similar, but with opposite consequences. Tamar uh, engaged in Zinut. She actually dressed up as a Zona and had relations with her father-in-law, Yehuda, but she had good intention. She wanted to uphold the name of the deceased and, and continue uh, have a child um, from the family, uh, so she wasn't doing it for personal reasons. Whereas Zimri, he went and to as part of a rebellion against Moshe uh, to sin in public uh, with a Midianite woman, and what are the consequences? Because Tamar, she did that act of Zenut, it's true. It was a act itself was negative, but it was, it was for good intention. And because of that, um, the, the house of King David eventually emerged from her, from uh, right, from uh, uh, Yehuda, and uh, the line all the way down to King David. Uh, whereas Zimri, he made a sin, but with negative intention, and because of that, uh, a great punishment, a plague came and uh, and killed uh, twenty four thousand, right, tens of thousands in Israel. Okay, so this is important, a very important statement, very famous. Better, uh, greater is a sin that's done for the sake of heaven than doing a mitzvah not for the sake of heaven, right? Better to do something that the act itself is a prohibited act, but you're doing it for a positive purpose. That is better than doing something that itself is a positive act, but your intention is against heaven. Uh, we're going to see Shalom Ishma doesn't mean that not for the sake of heaven. It means even, even means against. Okay, now question. Wait a second. This statement of Rav Nachman seems to contradict what Rav said, that a person should always engage in Torah and Mitzvot, even if you're not doing it for proper intention. You're not doing it for because it's a good thing to do in itself, all right? because, uh, because you want to serve Hashem. But you're doing it for personal reason, for honor, for pay, for uh, uh, to impress someone, um, it's still, still you should do it because by, by starting to do it not for its own sake, you will come to do it uh, for its own sake, right? Fake it till you make it. 
um, is, a, is, a, is a good principle. So this seems to be against this because Rabbi Nachman says, no, it's a negative thing to do a mitzvah not for in, a proper intention. Okay, rather we're going to rephrase Rabbi Nachman. It's not that uh, uh, a sin for a good intention is better than a misvah, that is uh, that misvah for bad in, for, a misvah for bad intention, because that sounds like doing a misvah shelodishma is a negative and don't do. No, we're saying it's equal, right? Both of these are positive things, um, right? Uh, and so both positive things. So that reconciles with Rav. Rav says, of course, the best thing is to do a misvah lishma. Okay, but if you're not doing it lishma right now, it's okay. Do it lishma, and also avera lishma. Listen, if you can, if you can accomplish something by not uh, sinning, certainly better not to sin. But uh, some, in some cases, instances, there is a need to sin um, in order to accomplish something more important. And that's a mitzvah. That's an avera lishma. So both of these are good things. Um, what's an example? Um, uh, Yael, Yael, who uh, sinned uh, uh, with Sisera. Right uh, at the end of the war, when Sisera in in Shoftim uh, Pereke uh, with uh, with uh, uh, the war with uh, Devorah and Barak, Sisera is running away from the battle scene. He's going to get away, and Yael entices him to come into her tent and sleep with him, um, and uh, and then uh, using a tent peg, she's able to kill him. Now, although she sinned. But this was for a good reason. So, now she is praised in Shirat Devorah, right? Let her be praised from all women, Yael, the, uh, um, uh, from all women in a tent, she is praised. So, what does it mean in a tent? Uh, the women in the tent are the Okay, those are the paragons of, uh, of, um, of righteousness, right? The matriarchs, and yet Nash, uh, um, Yael is even more blessed than the Nashim Ba Ohel. Okay, why? Amar Biochanan Sheva Beilot Baalot Torah Shab Beotasha Ashen Emar Ben Ragleha Kara Nafal Shachab. Rabbi Yochanan teaches that she um, had relations with Sisera seven times. doesn't say that in the Pasuk, um, but the Pasuk does say between her legs, that is a euphemism, or, you know, more than a euphemism, that they had relations. And the number of times it says that he fell uh, or sunk, kara, nafal, shachav, shachav explicitly is more explicit, uh, but other, other ones also, kara, nafal, Kara nafal shadud. So if you take all those kara uh, nafal, uh, that's seven. Um, so that's seven verbs um, uh, implying that she had relations. So she did that to tire him out until he was exhausted, fell asleep, and deep slumber, and then she was able to take the ten peg and um, and uh, drive it right into his skull and kill him. So she, um, she although this is an Avera, but nevertheless it's an Avera Lishma, and so she is more praiseworthy than everyone. Okay. Now, a question, a little bit of an unkind question to Yael. Wait a second, but maybe she enjoyed being with Sisera. All right, luckily we're going to reject this. No, anything that is good for the wicked is negative for the righteous. Um, and so uh, uh, her giving uh, 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 giving um, um, a benefit to Sisera, uh, this is, if you have to give benefit to an evil person, it, it hurts you to do that, right? You think of like um, I don't know, an, an undercover Israeli spy who has to be nice to a terrorist that he's meeting. All right, and uh, you know, has to uh, uh, show show uh, deference and respect and all that. Right, it's killing him inside this evil person. Okay, but he knows he has to keep his cover and do this so that eventually. So there's no 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 nobody, there's no enjoyment that she is getting from being with him. Another example of this is Hashem comes to Lavan uh, when he's chasing Yaakov and says. Do, Hashem says, don't speak to Yaakov, not good and not bad. 
I understand why Hashem says, don't tell him anything bad. He's Yaakov, I don't want you to say something bad to him. Why not give him a compliment? Why, why is Hashem saying, don't even give him a compliment? Rather, we learn from here that something good for, from an evil person is it's also bad, right? If uh, uh, Putin gives, uh, gives you a compliment of what a good guy you are, then you know that you did something bad because, you know, if an evil person is complimenting you, then that doesn't means you're not doing the right thing. Um, okay, so we, that's how we, we learn from that. All right, now Gufa, we're just going to analyze more this important statement. Okay, right, famous statement. Um, one should always engage in Torah Misvot, even without proper intention, because eventually... Um, you get used to doing it, and all, although in the beginning, uh, persons come to comes to Bet Knesset to get uh, to get candy, to get prizes, but then they come and they end up liking it, and they learn how to read, and they learn to enjoy the tefillah, and uh, and benefit from it, and then they they'll come also without the candy. And so we can learn this from the fact that um, the Balak, Balak, who hired Bil'am, they had to go from, from mountaintop to mountaintop to try to curse Bnei Israel, And uh, in order to get the power to curse, they made seven altars and sacrificed two animals on each altar. And they did this in three different places. So three times seven times two, you get 42. Um, so that's the 42 sacrifices that Balak made, um, even though this is a mitzvah, a mitzvah, I mean, to make sacrifices to Hashem, um, although their intention is not just that their intention was, was uh, uh, you know, for personal gain. Their intention is actually for evil to curse B'nai Israel. Nevertheless, that Avera, was uh, this is a a mitzvah rather shelo lishma that mitzvah has some merit and uh, because of that uh, they got root came from uh, Moab um, and so in the so root coming from uh, 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 root coming from Moab and eventually uh, King David coming from from her so this was in merit <laughs> can you imagine this of the forty two sacrifices to Hashem even though their intention was not just not for the sake of heaven, their intention was against the sake of heaven. Nevertheless, there is reward for that. Ruth was the daughter of Aiglon, the king of Moab, um, who descended from Balak, the uh, king of Moab. And so that's how, we, uh, that's how we know that Ruth was a direct descendant of Bil'am. Okay. And so again, more on the theme of rewarding even a very small thing as part of a larger picture of something negative, there still is reward even for that small amount of good that someone does. So here, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, uh, will not deprive reward even from nice speech, proper speech. Compare the name of Moab to the name of uh, Ammon. Uh, Moab, uh, that's the older sister of Lot, called her son Moab, which means Me'av from father. Now, what kind of name is that to name a kid? Oh, you're um, basically you're from father, from my father, right? So she means um, that the, my my I, I I conceived you from my own father through incest, right? So your father is also your grandfather. That's his name permanently, right? The person that came from his mother's father. So that is not a proper name, and uh, because of that, their the relationship to Moab is going to be more negative than that to Ammon. Uh, we see when uh, when Moshe is is uh, in the last year traveling uh, through the lands on the other side of the, the other side of the Jordan. Uh, Hashem gives instructions. You can see the pasuk here and says, "Al tasaret Moab." Tasar, we understand here, as don't make a siege against them and don't start a war against them because I'm not going to give you their land. That language is a little, that's Moab, that language is a little bit different 
than that which is said regarding Amon, where it says, Al-Tisurem. And Tisurem, we're understanding here to mean, don't harass them. Don't start up with them at all. And also, Evaltit uh, Garbam. Uh, or start a fight with them. So it's not in particular a, a siege or war. It doesn't say the word war here. It says don't even start, start up with them at all. Okay, um, so, uh, so the difference is um, because Moab, who, whose mother gave, her, gave him such a negative name, that's a negative thing, extra negative stigma, and that's going to last long. That says, um, so don't start up with them. So, you can't make a war with Moab, but you can harass them, right? It doesn't say don't harass them, it just says don't make a war and don't make a siege. However, the younger one gave a nicer name, the son of my nation, right? That's more ambiguous, right? It, it, it's, it, is, it is implying uh, um, uh, uh, intramarriage, but it's not necessarily, it doesn't say exactly how close the intramarriage is. And so just being someone of my nation. Uh, I think linguists uh, show that the, the word Ami in ancient uh, Semitic languages can be a parallel to uh, my family specifically, not just nation. Uh, but certainly here it has the meaning of nation also. So it should be called because the second order used nicer language. Uh, in that merit, um, the law is we cannot harass them, bother them at all. Not just for war, any harassment at all, we have to treat Amon kindly. Okay. So says, a person should always hurry up to do a mitzvah. And we're going to learn this from this kind of, actually it's an avera lishma, that the daughters did, uh, but where Aved al where here is being called a mitzvah, so uh, that the older one, because she uh, did, it, she acted first, and she had a child with her father one night before the younger one did, and that merit. Uh, she got to have four generations of kings uh, in Israel. David and Shalomah were kings over the whole uh, the whole of Israel, and Obed and Yishai, the, David's father and grandfather, were part of this royal family, and they had leadership roles, and they all came from Ruth the Hamoaviyah. So the Moabite, although we just said something negative about Moab, that because she had, she had a negative name, we uh, we can harass them. But there's also something positive about the older one that she went and did this good deed. Uh, first, so uh, she gets four generations of leaders in Israel before Ammon does. Now, where do we see Ammon? Uh, Shilomo's son, Rehavam, her, uh, Rehavam's mother was from Ammon. And so interestingly, right, Shilomo himself, his father's family is from Moab, his mother is from Ammon. And so Ammon also becomes part of the gene, uh, the lineage of the kings of uh, of Judea, uh, amazingly. And uh, however, they have to wait four generations. So you see one night, way, way back then, uh, the delay of one night causes a delay of four generations. So we learned from there uh, that whenever we have an opportunity to do a misvah, we shouldn't say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow, right? That, so that one day delay, right, may uh, have a, 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 an exponential effect later on, and so therefore perform a mitzvah immediately. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.